Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello everybody and welcome to the third series of The Human Podcast, a place to hear extraordinary human stories that celebrate the limitless potential of human beings. This podcast is dedicated to honouring our experiences of transformation, our ability to live through, live with and beyond the inevitable devastations and renewals of living. So often, our personal stories of tragedy and survival are left untold hidden behind the facade of ordinary life. Human has been created to make them more seen, more heard and more celebrated. Because I believe, within them, we can all feel more connected to our shared humanity. So if the world is feeling like a dark or difficult place, join us and let your heart be ignited by the fire of the human spirit. So, Bonnie Tideman is a psychosynthesis coach and the creator of Soulbeam, a transformational coaching practice founded to enable people to connect to a life of true purpose and meaning. Bonnie, you have said, the work of discovering who we are and the ways in which we've been suppressing our full expression is endless. So many of us feel flattened by narratives of what we should be, but we can all be so much more than any predefined label or role. Each one of us is a completely unique expression of life, full of creative potential and intuitive wisdom. Now, Bonnie has come to this work through more than 15 years of deep personal inquiry and a profound journey of personal transformation, which she has translated into a practice which is having life-changing effects, working with people who feel a need of creating a deeper, and more meaningful relationship to living. So the work Bonnie does is is truly existential, and I have to say that I know firsthand the extraordinary work that Bonnie does because I am one of the very, very lucky people that not can only call her a dear friend, but also a collaborator. Bonnie is my incredible creative researcher, creative co-production person, just all-round incredible collaborator, right-hand partner in crime in all things human podcast, um, whose truly very unique brilliance is interwoven into every aspect 
of this podcast since the very, very earliest days of its conception. So um, I've been looking forward to this this episode for a really, really long time, just for us, you know, you all to have a bit of time up close with, with Bonnie's very, very unique magic. So Bonnie, my darling, I love you. Hello. <laughs> Thank you for taking the time to be with us here today. I know you are incredibly busy. So it's just, yeah, thank you so much. And before we say anything else, my, my love, how are you today? Oh, wow. Thank you. Well, yeah, in this moment, my heart feels very full. Oh, darling. Before, before we go into the incredible an exploration of the incredible work that you do I just wanted to start by just going back a little bit little little bit and just to, to, to ask you know if, if you could describe what the um the spiritual or religious framework of your upbringing was because I think that might be a really interesting place to begin our conversation today mm. yeah there wasn't an overt spiritual or religious context to my upbringing. Um, I actually was dis discussing this with my therapist at one point, um, that I actually felt like um, maybe a sense that there wasn't the sacred in my life and in, in, my, in my upbringing, um, uh, because the sacred is something that is so much part of my life and my work now. Um, and it wasn't there in an, in an overt way, in an explicit way, but, you know, my parents have a great, um, respect for life. My mum, uh, is a child psychotherapist, uh, and my father a psychoanalyst. So, uh, they're very dedicated to their work. And, and actually there was definitely a sense of devotion to that. There was a sense of devotion to the work, um, and I think that I I carried that with me, you know. I mean, it, something that's definitely true uh, is that I grew up with a, an awareness that everyone has an inner world because of what my parents did, you know. I understood mm -hmm. everyone has an inner world, a reality that you can't see that's invisible, that's going on inside. Um, I, and it took me a while to realise that that's actually not... <laughs> A given that people kind of understand that and the depth and the importance of that you know this reality of each person having an inner world and and having their own experience but there's something quite interesting there's a distinction there that you made between the sacred and you use the word sacred as opposed to religious or spiritual mm. and I just just for our listeners I just would love for you just to describe really what you feel is the the distinctly different thing between you know what you describe as a kind of um yeah this the sacred versus you know religious or or spiritual practices because there is a difference isn't well, there? well it's in, in 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 the language that you're using i suppose in my mind there is um but it's it's a, it's a very big question that i can't say like this is a definitive answer to that question you know but i suppose yeah. i could offer like how how what does it mean to me um so, I mean, for me, there is a big uh, crossover between beauty and the sacred. I, I think the sacred is what we hold to be um, like 
beautiful and profound in life. So it's about beauty and meaning, right? So it's, mm. and and some and sometimes it's it's, it's that the meaning is in the beauty. But so everyone has sacred objects in their life. They may not frame them even in that way, but there's things that are very precious to them, things that they hold dear. And that maybe because they're a thing of beauty, it may be because they carry a sentimental value, it may be because they were handed down from someone or they, rem they remind you of someone. And um, that might not be anything to do with, with religion or spirituality. You know, it might be mm. the shell that you picked up on that beach and you 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 know in India when you were traveling or you know you might have been having an incredibly kind of a moment of deep connection you know and and I think that's the point is is we can all commune with ourselves with other people and with nature in a way that feels profound and rich uh, you know no matter what we we think is going on in terms of uh, there being uh, a god or gods or you know anything like that and 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 I think. So I think there's, yeah, there's also a relationship between deep connection, a sense of communion. Um, so, and what I mean by that is a connection that is potentially transformational, a connection through which you feel uh, almost a dissolution of boundaries. You feel a sense of oneness at one with a, with a, with a landscape, with a sunset, you know, where your heart is bursting open. Um, and you might have that, you know, you know, with other people, you know, with with friends, with lovers, um, and I think those are the things that we live for, and those are the things that we that we hold sacred. God, that's so interesting. That that's such an interesting like way of, um, yeah, trying to access, you know, the stuff that we hold inside of us that we can't always identify that somehow we actually manifest through the representation of objects that we attach ourselves to that's so interesting and because Bon what a lot of what you're saying here around um I mean this is really at the heart of what you do in your work isn't it it's about you know enabling people to find a kind of when you describe like a sacred connection to live to relationship to living you're not talking about a religious relationship to living at all you're talking about helping food people discover a, a relationship of of purpose and meaning and and beauty with living right and um you know i've heard you you, you talk a lot i've heard you talk a lot about in in you know, the, the, at the heart of your work, you're trying to get to the root of what is meaningful for everybody. Um, and I'd, yeah, I'd love for you just to kind of tell us a little bit, bit more about that and and how that's possible. <sighs> yeah, I suppose what's coming to me is something that might be a bit un, unpopular <laughs> to say, which is that I don't think life's just about happiness, you know. I think it's about mm. meaning, and and I don't think that meaning is 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 actually all about happiness. I think that meaning and suffering are deeply intertwined, you know, and so you know yeah. this word existential, we often we use that as existential suffering or existential crisis, right? And and that's because the journey of finding meaning is difficult. It's not just skipping in the fields, you know, it's grief, it's loss, it's pain, it's it's the wounding that we have to go through in order to emerge triumphant. And um, for me, you know, that's that's part of life, that's part of the deal, that's part of the ride that, that we're on. 
but that's so interesting that you know finding meaning is not I mean that for me is one of the most refreshing things that I've heard although although kind of internally I know it but just to have that said in that way finding meaning is not about finding happiness (laughs) yeah yeah you know so much of you know because of my training I've had to be in therapy myself for a number of years and I, I really find that my experience of therapy isn't about uh reducing suffering it's about expanding my capacity to deal with suffering you know and and mm. a lot of this work i think is about that it's about how to expand our capacity to feel everything because so often what's going on is we have these ideas of what's a good feeling and what's a bad feeling and we feel that we should feel good so we should feel happy and we should be positive and we and so we repress all these other feelings um and and actually, then they start to uh, become more and more disruptive in our life. Uh, we need mm. to be with what is challenging rather than trying to escape from it. And that is where the transformation happens, right? So, I mean, what, what's relevant as well in terms of this discussion about suffering and meaning is um, a concept called the sacred wound which is um, quite a common concept in psycho-spiritual work. And you may have heard of the archetype of the wounded healer, right? Um, and what does that mean? It means that often people that go into healing work in, of one form or another, maybe, you know, such as therapy or, you know, all sorts of things, yoga, uh, sound healing, um, They've had a journey um, themselves of suffering and they might have come to the thing that they offer uh, through wanting to heal themselves first because it, it often, it has to start with you, right? And, and a lot of the work in therapy is about working through your own stuff so that you're not in the way, so that you can then be uh, a clearer channel for somebody else because we, we we all come into relationship carrying so much pre-existing uh, expectations and preconceptions that we often project onto other people when we're relating and so a lot of uh, when you're training to be a therapist a lot of that work is also being in therapy and unpicking your own stuff so that you can try and be as much as is possible or that's never completely possible which is why you have a supervisor um, that you're able to be clear and, and, and witness someone else without your own stuff kind of getting in the way, if that makes sense. And so that's relevant to, to the path of the wounded healer. The sacred wound is the idea that actually it's our wounding that connects us to our gifts, that connects us to our essence. Um, you know, there's, there's, if you go on the internet, you'll see a fair few quotes about like, um, you know, the, only broken hearts can change the world, I think, is what. There's something about needing to be broken open to feel the fullness of life, to really kind of um, be in the ring, as it were, as Brené Brown would say. Um, and, and partly what that's about is is breaking down our defence mechanisms. So from a psychospiritual perspective, we are both... Um, a kind of spark of spirit or a soul or, you know, if you, if you want to think of that as a bit of consciousness or light that's then in flesh, in a body. And so 
as we grow and develop, we have our survival personality, which some people call the ego. I think it's not that useful because people use the term ego in many different ways. I think the term survival personality is what it says on the tin. It helps us to understand we have this survival personality, which we need. It helps us to make our way in the world. And at the same time, its primary focus is on survival, which can mean that it's less about kind of growth and expansion and more about safety. So we have that. And then we also have this part of us, this spark of consciousness, of light, of will, however you want to think of it, that is connected to the infinite, that is actually just completely expansive and and wanting to grow. And we need to deal with the tension between that, that needing to be safe and wanting to feel safe and at the same time wanting to keep growing and expanding. From the perspective of the soul, um, the soul wants adventure. It, it's thirsty for experience. Um, and some of that experience might involve suffering. But from the soul perspective, that suffering is feeding the growth of the being. Now, from the survival personality, the survival personality doesn't want any suffering, any danger. But do you see what I'm trying to say? Does it make sense? Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, it, it it's at the, um, and it's very much at the heart of the work that you, you do, which I know you describe as soul work. <laughs> um, and, you know, there's, 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 there's something else, Bon, that you describe, which is about the kind of rewilding of consciousness when you work with, you know, when you work with people and, 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 um, and and how that can lead to really sort of profound kind of internal um, growth for people. And I was, was wondering if you could just describe a little bit more about that. Yeah, well, I guess it's, you know, continuing from what I was just saying, there's this, we're multidimensional beings, right? We're multifaceted. There's, there's, we're not just, there's not one side to us. There's many, many layers. There's many different parts and um, so most of us have these kind of programs that we're running, you know, um, from the past, from the survival personalities. Like, I should do this or I should do that. I should do. And we get stuck in a kind of uh, maintaining cycles which um, keep us trapped in, in a certain way of being, which might not be uh make us fully available to the moment and everything that's possible, right? So depending on the kind of cultural environment of our upbringing uh, in terms of our our, our family and, and the wider community and culture that we're in, we'll have certain ideas about who we should be. And they might have been directly kind of transmitted to us, like, you know, you, you, you need to be um, a doctor or a teacher, you know, you need to be in this kind of relationship and you need to have children by this age and and all of that stuff you know all of these kind of societal expectations and um the, the the there's a part of us that feels that we absolutely must adhere to those expectations because our survival depends on it right so on one level it's it's true that we need to be part of the tribe and the group uh in order to survive uh, you know, in many ways, in, in terms of like um, physically, in terms of nourishment, but also in terms of emotional nourishment and connection. And in, in many, many cultures, one of the 
worse punishments uh, for someone is to be excluded from the tribe. So we want to fit in, right? It feels important, especially to our survival personality. But then there's that spark inside, right? That that spark of consciousness, of light, of uh, divinity, however you want to think of it, that's connected to the infinite, that doesn't care about the rules, that doesn't care about what other people think, that is, you know, the the mystery, the part of us that is connected to um, the creative force of the universe, right? And that part is is wild. So all the great uh, kind of teachers of soul work, Bill Plotkin, Michael Mead, they talk about that each individual soul is connected to the soul of the world. So there's this idea that there is a world soul. And that, you know, from a shamanic perspective, they say is this wonderful phrase, you know, nature is the face of spirit. So a lot of soul work. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of soul work will happen in the wilderness because in the wilderness, you know, you'd go out on, for example, like a vision quest where you might be fasting for days and nights and, and just be with a question in your heart, listening to nature, you know, the wild. Um, and that's thought of as some of, one of the best ways to connect with the soul inside, that wilderness inside, because it evokes something in us, the part of us that is a kind of uncivilized, untamed, you know. And obviously I'm not, I'm not, not we need to be, you know, civilized uh, to some degree, but we've forgotten, I think it's largely true that people in this culture have forgotten how to be wild, have forgotten even that sense of that expansive part inside of them that is just free and open. Um, and so in terms of like, how do I work with that? You know, it's, you, you begin with a delicate unpicking of how is someone interacting with themselves and with their life? What are the mindsets and behavior patterns that they're operating within, right? What is the paradigm for them that is, that is motivating them? And is it, is it coming from uh, kind of ex extrinsic, so coming from the outside, extrinsic motivation? So I need to do this in order to fit into da 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 da. Um, or is it coming from intrinsic motivation, from being connected to a place deep inside, and from choosing to navigate the world from from that place? <clears throat> and and often, unless we've kind of cultivated practices of deep connection, it it's not going to be the way that we're navigating the world isn't going to be intrinsic, you know, isn't going to be coming from a, a, an internal uh, navigation system deep inside. It's going to be coming from so many signals that we're getting, um, maybe maybe from our family and, and, and community, but also from advertising, right? Like we're constantly bombarded with messages about what we should be and what life's about. And some of them might be relevant to us and loads of them aren't going to be relevant to us. And so how do we know, how do we cut through the noise and actually find what's what's out you know what's what's your truth what's the individual truth what i've kind of got here is this image in my mind of 
you know, I think, and I think uh, this is something that I'm sure everybody relates to. You have the narrative, you know, I think we all live with every day of, as you say, what I should be, what I should be doing, you know, and, and the should be is the consequence of expectations of yourself, of the people around you, of, of gender, sexuality, of every aspect of, you know, every aspect of your, your being, um, and versus what is and and that is possibly that the state that many of us live in a lot of the time that over you know throughout many many years of living in that way can make you feel fundamentally disconnected from probably the, the kind of the true internal flame um of 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 who you are if you allow all of that noise to settle and access the quieter voice inside yourself, which is probably <clears throat> the voice that is leading you towards the things which are just, I don't know, uniquely, um, sometimes, probably sometimes, like, inexplicably, maybe sometimes irrationally, sometimes, you know, w- without justification, just the things that you want that make you feel alive, that make you feel good in the world. It's a very wonderful thing if you can live yourself, live sorry, live your your life with a a well-adjusted balance between those two states of being. But if one of them becomes, particularly the should be aspect of yourself, becomes too dominant, people can fundamentally lose contact with, you know, feel very disconnected from from you know, in simple terms, like who they actually are in their hearts and souls. And that's the thing that can lead to sort of this. I think it leads to a very sort of endemic kind of low-lying suffering mm-hmm. that most people live with most of the time. And it's not too, too you know, catastrophic that, you know, you're on your knees and you're, you know, you're having a breakdown. But it can be the thing that for many years of your life, potentially the majority of your life for lots of people means you don't live a life like that is realising its full potential for, for you. Is that right? Yeah, and be, you know, I, I also want to be clear that it's like it's not it's not a black and white thing, right? It's very intricate. These these layers of um, what what we think we should be, the ways that we've kind of distorted ourselves um, in order to survive, and and I also want to say, you know, that we don't want to be looking at that as like necessarily a bad thing or like wrong you know but just like just noticing oh I'm doing that actually because of this impulse to please someone you know or because of this belief that um you know if I disagree with someone then I won't be receiving the love that I need you know and so just noticing like was that my truth in that moment or was I just being conflict avoidant you know is something that probably most people Mm. can relate to so how much are we like in in very small ways, just compromising our integrity day to day of just like, oh, no, just, um, you know, avoiding and hiding from things because it feels easy or we feel that we need to do that because we need to survive. So from, from, from a psychosynthesis perspective, which is what I'm trained in, there's this concept of subpersonalities, um, which which grow through um moments of kind of like basically trauma in early life so something will happen and and because the the little being the little being um 
you know, that is young, that has limited sense-making capacities, cannot understand uh, that, you know, what's happened to them in that moment is... Um, so say, for example, or I, I say in general, wounds are unmet love needs, right? Every, every wounding that we have is a moment in which the love that we wanted or needed wasn't given to us or we weren't able to receive it in the way that we wanted it. And so that need for love was unmet. Now, it might be that we wanted a certain kind of love. You know, you might have heard of this um, idea of love languages. Um, so it wasn't that our parents weren't loving us, but that they weren't loving us in the way that we needed to be loved. And that's nobody's fault. Mm. Yeah. It's just that mm. the, the way we wanted to be met in love wasn't met. So these moments might happen and, um, and, and, and we make that our fault as, as young beings. We say, oh, you know, I wasn't met with love in the right way. It must be because I'm unlovable. I'm deficient. Mm. I'm somehow not worthy. I'm somehow wrong. And so we develop. And so what we, we tend to do is that pain of that is so unbearable that we that we put that pain away somewhere and we and we kind of uh, create a defense mechanism to ensure that we won't uh, experience this pain of, of rejection in, in the same way again. And that on the surface might look like a certain type of behavior. So it might look like, you know, people pleasing um, is obviously a very common one. Perfectionism is another one. I must be perfect in order mm. to receive the love that I want. Um, so we have these kind of survival strategies and some of them are very deeply ingrained because they're coming from very early wounding. And so it's not, uh, it, it will, so we will identify, I suppose my point is we will be identifying very strongly with that way of being in the world. And it might take a long time of working with someone to unpick like, oh yeah, actually I do have this strategy of compromising my needs for other people. Uh, I don't think it's okay for me to have what I want, you know? I don't think it's, mm. or like, I don't think it's safe for me to actually speak my full truth, you know? Yeah, well, I'd never say that. <laughs> um, and, um, and it's just about really noticing that so that we can choose. Now, that, that's, that, that's the point. Because if our behavior is compulsive, and it's coming from wounding, that we don't feel we have a choice. We feel we must act in a certain way. And that's not freedom. Freedom is when we can see the pattern and we can choose whether or not to engage with it. And so it's like, oh, I'm doing that thing again, you know, where, um, where I'm trying to please everyone. And like, maybe we might want to continue to participate in that. Or maybe we might say, hey, no, you know what? I'm not listening to myself and my own needs. What about pleasing myself? I'm not going to, you know, do that thing. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You know, I've heard, I've heard you say, Bon, that, you know, we can't just trunch. We, 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 it's such a beautiful quote of yours, but I will, I, will, I will just reflect it back to you. You said, we can't just transcend our problems. We didn't come to transcend. We came here to feel and to feel it all. Mm. <laughs> and I just, yeah, I just, I love that. That's just something so, it's just so refreshing because I think, you know, this kind of pursuit of happiness is quite, you know, honestly it's a it's a fucking tyranny that people live with and it's an elusive thing that actually fundamentally doesn't need to happiness you know it's it really is about creating strong you know I think the best things that we can do for ourselves is create strong internal riverbanks riverbeds so the river of life can roar through Mm. us in all its shades and colors and to know that we can hold it you Mm. know yeah I mean that I feel like there's so much I could say. Um, e- even even the sense, you know, that some emotions are like unclean. Like there's, there's a sense of like oh anger or sadness is like a you know the dirty. That yeah. the actual that that sense of it being unclean or dirty or bad, it comes from our judgment of it, right? Whereas actually, there's something you know just beautiful about every emotion that is possible to experience. And when we allow ourselves to experience them and they move through us, there's an exquisiteness, you know, like, the, you know, to feel rage, just allow yourself to go there without judging yourself. You know, the, the yeah, the stickiness is, comes from the judgment to just, you know, and I know that you, um, you've obviously been writing about grief, so you're very <laughs> well placed to speak about that as, um, you know, an experience of like deep humanity that is 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 not something to be avoided but potentially even embraced jesus christ you know that is such it is such a fallacy it is such a myth it is such a false truth that like we're born into life and life will be amazing it's like no and i i i I see feel this a lot with my kids at the moment it's like we just have this sort of 
sort of low lying narrative, which is that, you know, and we hear it in all of our kind of generic language of like, you know, everything will be fine. It will be fine. Okay. It's, it'll be amazing. You know, no, 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 it's like, no, darling. And this is what I sometimes feel like I'm saying to my kids, you know, life will inevitably hold tragedy mm. and it will inevitably hold moments of absolute unbearable heartbreak, but you will get through it and it will move through you. And there were on the other side of that, you will still be able to experience the most incredible beauty, the most incredible joy, and it will all happen. That's what living is. <laughs> and do you know what I mean? If we could just, just bond, just hearing you talk about all this stuff, it's like, it really is like amplifying to me, like how much cultural unpicking we need to have of the way that we set each other up. Mm. So or we just like living is set up to be it's like <laughs> oh my god <laughs> living is not about just feeling happiness dude yeah i mean when you think you know in a way it this it feels like there's a there's a flattening in terms of like yeah just like be happy and trying to find formulas for happiness it, it's like for me there's like that feels really flat and taking away the like deeper mystery of what it means to be alive um and i think <clears throat> i think actually part of <clears throat> what we've been doing on the podcast is like um yeah scratching the surface and it's like so actually what happened you know in this life and it's not um it's not all roses you know but but actually uh, sometimes just like even kind of unthinkable horrific painful experiences can also carry a seed of beauty because they somehow are transformational and and, and let this this um uh strength emerge yeah michael mead says something like um through great adversity that we uh access a deeper inner resource you know mm. uh and i and i think i think that's true um but yeah so something i've noticed in terms of kind of soul work versus spirituality you know i think um is uh we were talking i think you were kind of alluding to a culture of kind of toxic positivity and and what what's quite yes. common um that you can see around um is spiritual bypassing um which is basically this idea that using spirituality or spiritual practices as a kind of anesthetic for emotional pain and it's and it's very common and it's not I don't want to say this is like this is a terrible thing and anyone that does it is, you know, uh, an awful person. It's it's kind of natural, right? Like there you are, a human being suffering and you find things that um, may help to relieve that, relieve those, that suffering. Um, and so you might engage in practices and there's a at some level, there's a subtle avoidance of the suffering. There's a there's a desire to escape it. Um, and find, you know, you know, just connection through oneness. And there's nothing wrong with that. But when you're engaging in things with a deliberate denial of uh, your emotional reality, when there's a lack of emotional authenticity within the kind of engagement with the spiritual practice, it can become problematic. All right. Mm. And so I, I seem to notice that there is there can often be like a kind of first stroke of like oh I'm interested in you know spirituality and self-development and all of that stuff and there can often be just like 
either an overt or a very subtle kind of element of bypassing in that, which is like, I don't want to have to go to the, people don't want to go to therapy, right? People still, there's, uh, it's, it's very, um, it feels like it's still taboo in a way where it's like anyone will like go to a gong bar, go to a yoga class, go either start meditating. That feels a lot more acceptable now. That's like, <laughs> that's like, yeah, but you know, um, a, a lot more mainstream, but people still, therapy feels a bit taboo. I don't have to talk to someone about my feelings. What you're saying, I've got a problem. You know, you say, I need to speak to someone that like, there's a sense of like, if you go to therapy, it's because there's something wrong with you. But actually, mm-hmm. every single person has this complexity to unpick because the mind, you know, the psyche uh, is incredibly complex. And every single person, no matter how beautiful their upbringing was had to deal with the dynamics of their family system no one is perfect so your parents aren't perfect your upbringing wasn't perfect and all sorts of things could have happened just just natural things that are part of life like you know as a mum you know friends at school falling off your bike you know not getting invited to a birthday party um you know you having a stressful day and turning around and snapping like this is all just part of you know being human and getting on with it and because we come into the world so vulnerable, they all these things can have an impact on us. And um, so I guess sorry, I'm just saying all of that because I think everyone has stuff that they could talk to a therapist about. And, and, and the value of that is emotional authenticity, is really getting to know yourself and the stuff that you're bringing to the table and the way that you relate to other people in the world. Um, those uh, filters that, you know, that you might have that that are kind of unseen but yet known at a deeper level so you might uncover that actually you find it hard to trust people you know that actually because actually you've got a sense that maybe they're gonna abandon you because of this experience in early life um and so when you really get into the psychological work as i was saying earlier it's really not about trying to escape the pain or numb the pain. It's about being with it, being mm. with it. Um, and, and so, and then soul work, I think soul work is just the, the antidote in a way to spiritual bypassing because soul work is about deepening. So whereas the path of spirit is a path of transcendence uh, from individuality um, to universality, the path of soul is a path of descent from universality to individuality, which is why soul work mm-hmm. is about uh, finding out your unique essence. So it's individuality, not from an egoic perspective, not from that point, uh, but individuality from the point of who am I? What are my unique qualities as a being on this earth? And is that something that for you is quite a common, a common thread that you find is people in a way taking off the kind of the cloak of the should be this is the, the, the person that you know taking off the the cloak of the version of themselves that they feel they should be and getting down to the sort of the more kind of naked sort of unrevealed aspects of themselves that maybe they've yeah that they they haven't been able to access but do fundamentally hold possibility for for greater a greater sense of you know 
you know meaning and you know kind of connection to a sort of meaningful life yeah I mean it's it really depends on the person to be honest so much of the work can just be in um it's really about finding clarity right so Mm. often you know I find that people come because they don't know what they want (laughs) they and Mm. and and so there's this kind of so it's almost like a, a practice of communicating with your deeper self that maybe it hasn't ever happened in life you know maybe mm. maybe a lot of people have gone through their lives with ever really asking themselves but what do I want because it's just been a given that they should do this and they should do that well you go to school and then you get a job and then you have to earn this much money and then you get a flat and then you get a boyfriend and then you get a dog and then you did it and they, they haven't even thought hang on a minute is this authentically true for me is this actually what I desire and so I think a lot of that disconnection with true desire can come from a disconnection without, uh, from our emotions and our body, right? So mm. it, it's true that a lot of us are, are living, in a, living in and from our minds, right? So again, in psychosynthesis, there's, it's a very simple model. It's just like a triangle, body, feelings, mind at each point. And they're different dimensions of our being uh, of our awareness um and some people live a lot more from one than the other but many people live primarily from the mind and so you know when I start a session um I do a meditation where I take people inside and I ask them to connect with you know I guide them to connect with their body and then their feelings, and then their mind, and then to the place beyond body, feelings, and mind, you know, Um, so that we start the session from that place, Um, Mm. but then I will always ask, what do you notice, what do you notice, and it's a very good, um, it's almost like a diagnostic tool, because where someone speaks from helps me to understand where their consciousness is, so if they're saying, oh, I'm just really tired, I've got this ache in here, but da 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 there I can tell they're connected to their body. They might be telling me how they're feeling, or they might be telling me a story from their mind. So the mind is the place of narrative. Now, often I'll ask someone how they're feeling, and they'll tell me a story. Well, this happened, and he never texted me back, and da-da-da-da-da. I say, okay, and how does that make you feel? Well, you know, yesterday... I was okay and then da 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 but today I just feel like I'm looking in the mirror and I'm just like, oh, you know, am I ugly? Da 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 I'm like, okay. But how do you feel? And that you know, it can take a while to get to a a, a raw expression of an emotion because we um we can skirt around emotions a lot. And and the mind can sometimes um obstruct our ability to connect with the raw emotion and take us away and tell us a story and actually often the balm is just just to be with ourselves in that emotion and the way that we might then end up doing that is by going to the body okay I'm I'm hearing a lot of stories and I just I just wonder if we could just like drop in you know and then I might ask someone to close their eyes and just feel into their body because the emotion will be present in the body what what do you notice? What are you experiencing? You know, oh, there's actually a tightness in my chest. Okay. 
and we might stay with that. So there's these different levels. There's the stories we're telling on this level and then there's the embodied experience in the moment and that will always have a clue about what is the emotional reality. And the emotional reality is always present in the moment, right? Um, and, but we have to be willing to go there and often we won't take ourselves there naturally. So sometimes that's that's some of what I'm doing. Oh, Bon, it's just so amazing. It's it's It really is. I mean, we've spent so much time together over the last two years you know obviously working on on the podcast but also um interspersed with conversation about um about the work that you do but every single time I I just come away with like a new little gem that I take with me and you know I it's just such a blessing and um thank you you know, I love you to bits. And um, so, Bonnie, as as we start to move towards the end of this incredible, incredible time that we've we've had with you, I wanted to ask you, what does courage feel like? Mm. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, you know, for me, it's um, it's like what I was just describing of really being willing to get right up close and personal <laughs> with with yourself uh and be in your emotional authenticity so uh yeah for me courage is a lot about uh being willing to show up in my fullness and be witnessed in that and and hold the tension of the part of me that I'm with that's like oh my god it's not safe is it okay are they gonna um uh reject me for being who I am and like uh being willing to yeah basically feel the fear and do it anyway i think that's what courage is feeling mm. the fear and doing it anyway absolutely um funny if there was someone in the world that you would like to be proud of you and they can be living or they could be someone who's already passed away who would that be and why oh uh, well, it's got to be mum and dad hasn't it <laughs> <laughs> yeah I suppose it's that mix of um, the the little child in me that, you know, wants their love and approval um, and the fully grown adult that, you know, has so much love and respect for who they are and what they achieved and, and, and what they gave me and, and what has enabled me to be who I am, you know. So so just the the deep gratitude um for them I think in a way we all actually maybe I, I can't generalize but because I feel that um I was given so much by my parents I, I definitely feel that I want um I want my life to be in some degree also a giving back to them mm. beautiful now Bon, in true human style, we are going to be playing out with a song today. And so, if it's possible to dedicate our conversation today to a song, what would that be? And tell us a little bit why. Um, Nina Simone, Ain't Got No. I think that's what it's called. Um, I've Got Life. And I just 
find that you know this is a it's like a it's like a prayer to life um reminding reminds me to be grateful just for the gift of life you know uh she's saying she's saying all the things she doesn't have um but all the things that she does have you know she's 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 got her body and her heart and um and her soul so and she's got life um and that that is in itself is a gift um so yeah sometimes I listen to that in the morning and it just makes me um thankful for the gift of life that small thing (laughs) everything (laughs) oh darling thank you thank you so 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 much for this time together um you know, I've been looking forward to this for a really, really long time, and I, I and I know I'm sure it will mean as much to all of our listeners as it does to me. So just thank you, Bon, for all you are, for all you do. Love you more than words can say. Hope you know. Mm. Well, I know you know. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, it's been it's um, been a real pleasure. And so here we've got it. Nina Simone ain't got no. I ain't got no home. Ain't got no shoes. Ain't got no money, ain't got no class, ain't got no skirts, ain't got no sweaters, ain't got no faith, ain't got no bed, ain't got no mind, ain't got no mother, ain't got no culture, ain't got no friends, ain't got no schooling. Thank you all so much for listening. If you'd like to rate, review and subscribe to us on your podcast app, then please do. And you know the score, five stars, please. If you'd like to come and say hello on Instagram, then you can find me and all things human podcast related at This Is Jess Mills. This podcast was created and hosted by me, Jess Mills, with creative co-production by Bonnie Tyburn and produced by Joel Porter at dot dot dot. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
and it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.